History will be made coming up as part of WrestleMania 35, as for the first time in the history of the WWE, we will have a all-female main event. And Chris will be talking about that in just a couple of minutes here on episode number 340 of Unscripted. We welcome you to our little program, Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. But before we get to a breakdown and some discussion about WrestleMania 35 with this history-making uh, main card or big ticket item, which will be an all women's tag team match. And again, Chris will, Chris and I, but Chris will be running the ship there as we talk about this upcoming big ticket item in the world of professional wrestling. But I want to start with a guy that I would love to see get into a wrestling ring and then ultimately have to get uh, stretchered out is what I'd really like. My favorite talk show host in the States on Fox <laughs> Sports, and I'm thinking of when I'm down in the States next week, I'm thinking about calling into a show. Should be interesting. Colin Coward on The Herd on Fox. This guy is the poster child of white guys that have an opinion, never played a day of sports, in my opinion, in their life, but they've got an opinion about everything. This guy knows a little bit about everything. He's got a guy here. He's got a guy there. It's probably his, you know, his underachieving cousin, you know, Maury or something. But this guy is just, you know, when I was in the talk radio business 100 years ago, this guy brings bad names or bad thoughts, bad whatever, onto the profession of being a talk show host. This guy is, he's a limp dick is what he is. He's He's got no knowledge. He's got an opinion. He's got a voice. So I guess that's the reason he's got a microphone in front of his mouth. Same reason I've got a microphone in front of my mouth. But this guy just has no knowledge. And where he comes up with this stuff, I don't know. On a recent edition of his program called The Herd, Colin Coward says, and I quote, and this is in regard to the massive trade that happened, what, two weeks ago? between the, at the start of free agency, so early March, um, the big trade that involved Odell Beckham Jr. leaving New York and going to the Cleveland Browns for uh, a draft pick and Jabril Preppers, Peppers, excuse me, the safety from Michigan went to New York and there was a couple other things, but the big ticket items were a number one draft pick in this upcoming April draft and also the safety again, Peppers from Michigan. But Colin Coward says, and I quote, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., didn't really want to go to Cleveland. He's unhappy already. He goes on to say, the owner, which of course is truck stop Jimmy, Jimmy Haslam, owner is a control freak. John Dorsey, the general manager, is a control freak. Freddie Kitchens, the new coach, he could be in, in over his head. He goes on to say in this little diatribe that Baker Mayfield is still, and I quote, just a kid. He's a baby. Which, of course, got Baker Mayfield's hairs rising in the back of his neck, and he comes back and fires off to Colin Coward, come to Cleveland, I'll show you what kind of baby I am. But come on, guys. Why do we listen to this guy? I don't. It's good for podcast stuff to talk about when a guy makes an, 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 an just an unbelievable claim. He, the, this is all based on Colin Coward, who supposedly has a source. 
that's telling him this information that OBG doesn't didn't really want to go to Cleveland, doesn't really want to go to Cleveland. He's unhappy already. Well, he sure looked pretty good the other day at their introductory news conference with Jarvis Landry, his old teammate from LSU, and then Baker Mayfield shows up, and it seemed like kumbaya. seemed like everybody was happy. Um, I think Cleveland has a chance to really make a difference next year. Um, <laughs> John Dorsey went out and picked up another guy yesterday. Now they have a safety. The, the, the starting free and the starting strong safety next year for the Cleveland Browns will both be ex-Green Bay Packers. Morgan Burnett? Morgan Burnett. It will be the strong safety and the free safety will be Demarius Randall. Randall. Yeah, okay. And you know what? I'm telling you, folks, Cleveland has been nondescript since 1964 when Jim Brown was still carrying the rock for the Cleveland Browns. They have been... They lost their franchise for a while. It became the, the Baltimore Ravens. Since they've been reincarnated in 2000, 18, 19 years ago, they have made maybe two playoff appearances off the top of my head. I know it's been one for sure. They've been nondescript. You may not like John Dorsey, um, but my God, has he changed the culture around Cleveland? He's given them a reason not to hang themselves in Cleveland at the start of training camp, knowing it's going to be another long, shitty year of football in the city of Cleveland. Cleveland right now, folks, think about this. Think about this. With all the change in Baltimore, and they've got a pinhead for a quarterback. I, I don't know how they plan on winning long-term with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, when you can't throw the football. And they lost a number of key guys on the defensive side of the football, which was the staple in Baltimore, defense. Pittsburgh, it's been a revolving door in the offseason. You've seen things that have never happened in the long and illustrious history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've never had some of the unrest that you've had. Guys leaving. Guys talking shit about their quarterback. Um, you know, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is a number one wide receiver potentially. He's going to have to be. But who else does Ben Roethlisberger throw to this year? Antonio Brown's in Oakland. Um, Le'Veon Bell is now in New York. If you and we know the Cincinnati Bengals, we know Chris loves them, but I think it's more because Chris likes the color orange, and the and the Bengals have a very orange iconoclastic jersey. But realistically, are the are the Cincinnati Bengals going to be in position to fight for the AFC North Division crown? Hell no. Sorry, no. I am not a fan of the Bengals no, at I know all you're, right you're a now. Fan of the, you're a fan fairness. of the Orange. I get that. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is we both can agree that Cincinnati is not going to be in the running for the AFC North Division Championship this year. Funny as this may sound, call me whatever you want. I don't care. But And again, it's not always right to go off what they've done in the offseason. The Washington Redskins used to win the offseason every year. What'd that get them? A higher position in the draft? But after what you've seen with what they already had there, what they've augmented the talent base in Cleveland with, Cleveland has got to be considered the favorite or one of the favorites for the AFC North Division Championship next year. And a lot of that, regardless of what you think of John Dorsey, John Dorsey had a lot to do with that. Yeah, he did. That's true. And now, in fairness, the Baker Mayfield draft pick has not for sure been a slam dunk. Turned out he was a great rookie season. He, he didn't even get to play the whole thing. But with his 
let's say, issues above his neck, <laughs> you, you you never know for sure what's going to happen to Baker Mayfield. If he turns out great, I'd be very happy for the city of Cleveland for sure because they have just been really underserved and, as we've mentioned many times, are one of our favorite and most passionate fan bases in all of sports, really. Cleveland, those Brown fans, no matter what happens, are just out there in crappy weather coming off the lake and they're just doing... Uh, you know, they're just giving it their all all the time. And I, I love Cleveland fans, if nothing else, for sure. So I'm I'm rooting for them, I think, this year because the Steelers are sort of self-destructing there. The Bengals are going to be an absolute mess this year and for many, many years to come. And the Ravens going all in on Lamar Jackson, not the best idea. I actually have the Cleveland Browns as my favorite to win the division this year. And really, realistically, only Pittsburgh is a threat to them at this point. And what a change overall. And I certainly disagree with Colin Cowherd's assessment here. I think he has the same sources that CNN does, all anonymous and all actually non-existent. And if you were saying that Odell Beckham was going to the Browns two or three years ago, then absolutely. Correct. Sure, with Hugh Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. And nothing else? Sure. But right now, they're the exciting primetime team. There's a reason that they are the leading contenders to face the Patriots in the first Sunday night football game, where NBC, unlike Rodgers and CBC, actually cares about ratings and wants to get something good. So I'm expecting to see uh, Cleveland against the Patriots on week one's Sunday night football for sure. So anyway, yeah, it's uh, that was just a ridiculous report. But yeah, the Browns are, as far as I'm concerned, not only the team to beat in the AFC North, but they are the fun, exciting Hollywood team of this year. And who would have ever thought that would be the case even a year ago? You know, if if everything goes the way the Browns are hoping that it goes this year, I think you give NFL Executive of the Year award at the end of next season to John Dorsey. Yeah. I mean, it takes huge cojones to go in and do what he has done. He has basically, for and, and how he's done it, in, a, in a, really in an amazing time period, in a short time period. You know, two years ago, this team had gone through two seasons where they were 1-31. and 31, And now they're being talked about by guys like us as being potential division champions. Um, and he's had help, obviously. He brought his Green Bay buddies with him. Uh, Ron Wolf's son, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, the drunk guy. They've all contributed to the rebirth of the Cleveland Browns. And I got to give truck stop Jimmy a little credit. Now, the season hasn't started yet, so he could still fuck this up. But at least truck stop Jimmy hasn't interfered. Mm-hmm. At least we ha- don't know yeah. that he has interfered with... Um, with what Mr. Dorsey's trying to do, because remember, Dorsey is spending truck stops money, mm-hmm. and he has spent a lot of it this off season with all his additions. I mean, you bring in Sheldon Richardson on your defense. I mean, Cleveland is going to be tough, guys. Yeah, and they see something. John Dorsey sees something that they don't seem to still get at twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue is that they even have a backup quarterback. So if Baker Mayfield does get hurt. They don't have to hand it off to Deshaun Kaiser and watch him screw it up. I like a lot of things that they're doing in Cleveland. I hope that they are true to themselves and they finally at least at least give them a, shan- a chance to get into the big dance and see what they can do. You know, you don't you can't win a championship if you don't make it to the playoffs. You know, obviously every year I know that's old cliche, and every year it's the the higher seeded teams have the better opportunity for sure. 
But you know what? There was a chance. There was a time back there around 210. I can, I'm thinking about the 210 season. Oh, yeah. The six-seeded Green Bay Packers in the NFC playoffs went on the road and won three playoff games and then won the Super Bowl in Dallas that year. So a six-seed can do it. The two years that Eli Manning won a championship in New York that made him a god still keeps, still gets him getting a paycheck every week from Dave Gettleman, which I can't understand, but... They were a six, they were, excuse me, they were a four seed and a six seed, and they won a world's championship. So it can be done. I would just like to see the Browns get into the big dance and see what happens. I'd love to see that for the fans, but honestly, that is going to be the scariest front seven, I think, in the league this year. And it is anyway. And you, when, like, if even if you can focus all your attention on Miles Garrett, it's hard to stop him, the former first overall pick. But when you have that amazing line, you have to pay attention to everybody. Miles Garrett, if he doesn't get hurt, is going to have a career year this year. And he's going to tee off on everyone. And if you're a better, and if you're looking for upsets to bet on and i know the browns won't be treated like the same old browns at least not later in the season but unless they're doing terrible which is hard to imagine uh if you're looking for a great upset pick to win money on watch for when an overrated team that has a bad offensive line think houston texans think something like that when they're facing the browns Take the Browns. I mean, the Browns, if you have a bad O-line, I don't care if you're otherwise good. They're going to tee off on you and take you out. And I don't want to be a quarterback with a bad O-line going into Cleveland at all this year. So watch for Miles Garrett to have a career season and watch for the Browns to largely live up to the hype. I don't think they're going to go 14-2 and or anything no, like that, no. but I think they will win the division. I could see them... I could see them potentially having double-digit wins. I could see them at 10 and 6. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's just going to be such a weak division this year. Pittsburgh's always going to be challenging there. It's really hard to see what's going to happen with them, though, because it's really unpredictable. They've never replaced Ryan Chazier after his unfortunate injury. They've really missed him. They've let certain guys like Morgan Burnett, who mentioned, go. And, of course, obviously, Le'Veon and Antonio, even if they have guys to replace them. But that's going to be interesting. It's something I need to... Um, um tell the folks out there. And this is more about something's not right in the Allegheny Rivers. You know, those three rivers that go behind the old Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. One of them was the Allegheny River, and I don't remember the other two. doesn't matter. But something is wrong in Pittsburgh because Morgan Burnett actually asked for his release from the Steelers. He wanted out of Pittsburgh. Just like Le'Veon and Antonio. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He just wanted out. And he was only there just... You know, the one year, and or maybe two years, I don't know what it was, but he certainly didn't fulfill his whole contract that he had signed with the Steelers, and now he's on the Browns. But uh, again, here's another guy that wants off the, the, the SS Titanic in Pittsburgh. They just seem to... It, this was just amazing to me. This is, again, one of those marquee franchises that just have never had an offseason like they've had this year. Guys never wanted to leave Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was always in the hunt. Go back to the Bradshaw days. They were always in the hunt. Bradshaw retires and they're still in the hunt. They've got some bums at quarterback, but they stayed, you know, they still won with Cordell, Cordell Stewart at quarterback once. Remember that, folks? <laughs> um, we need to go and switch gears. History will be made uh, in the upcoming 35th installment of the marquee event on the WWE calendar every year, which is their WrestleMania event. This year, WrestleMania 35 will, for the first time in the history of the sport, have an all-female main event. I know two of the combatants 
Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter. Um, but for a little bit more insight as to what we think is going to be a very interesting uh, WrestleMania 35 card, I bring in the boss, the executive producer, to kind of navigate the ship and get you what you need to know about WrestleMania 35 happening Sunday night. Where are they fighting or where's the event? It is at MetLife Stadium in New York. Oh, really? In East Rutherford, New Jersey. Outdoors. Hmm. Yeah, which at this time of year is interesting. And that's what I was going to say. It's probably going to be like, they could probably get 100,000 people for this. Uh, oh, well, well, it'll sell out, whatever, well, for sure. whatever the capacity I mean, is. You know, just with the capacity, then you can put them on the field. Can you not now? Oh, they'll be covering the field, but the problem is you lose a bunch because they have so much oh, apparatus these oh, days. A whole yeah. side is blocked off, so they won't be able to seat as many as uh, as, as you it. could otherwise. If I was... remember, I'm sorry, and I'll no, let you go. go no, but please, go. I remember the first WrestleMania I saw, mm-hmm. um, and you've, you've, you've told me which yeah. number it was, but I... Right? <laughs> Well, they had 93,000 inside the Detroit Silverdome. Yes, WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 3. And that's the first one I saw with Hulk Hogan coming down on this big piece of machinery. Be- the ring. The, the, escort- the, but, yeah, the, the- but being escorted down to the ring, and Bob Uecker was involved, and that was my and that was 93,000 people. And I'm thinking, now that Chris told me it's outside, but then he's right about all the apparatus and all the electrical stuff. But when you're outside in a 70,000-seat football arena, and then you can put people on the floor now the field um they're gonna have some great attendance this weekend in new york for damn oh wrestlemania wrestlemania is a big deal like it gets bid on by a bunch of cities and it's estimated that uh the financial ramifications for a city are a net increase of one billion dollars if you host wrestlemania one billion dollars one billion dollars so that's why cities really bid for it and the ones have a real advantage that are in south florida for example or really anywhere in Florida, and a number of those, they like to hold them outside. And it's, this is the first time that they're doing it in a colder place because WrestleMania just falls this time of year. If it's SummerSlam or something, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But right now, what they're doing, actually, they have built a special heated ring for this. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's really for the guys because I'll tell you, when you're, fall- when you're taking bumps, uh, even if it's a nice, soft, bouncy WWE ring, I mean, I've, ta- I've bumped on the hardest rings there are. And uh, if you're cold at all, it's not what you want to do. And so I, I love this idea that they have a heated ring. And uh, so I, I hope the guys are and the girls are, are really comfortable. So I, I want to give a somewhat detailed uh, preview here. I don't want to go too long on each thing, but I want to also work Mike in uh, as much as possible because I think this is perfect because there are a lot of people who don't really watch much wrestling but might watch WrestleMania. Maybe they're at a party. Maybe they want to know what's going on. Maybe they've just heard... That And I've heard a number of uh, places where because of the all-female main event, some women especially and, and others are going to uh, check out this WrestleMania where they might not have otherwise. But I'll tell you, including the pre-show, it's basically an all-day event starting right away, I think, here. And it's basically an all-day event where the uh, where there's 16 matches, basically. Okay. So it's, a, it's an all-day thing, and some are going to be on the pre-show. But... Um, what I will say about it, um, so they always have a couple battle royals the last few years. So the women's battle royal, uh, the favorite is a woman named Lacey Evans. She's fairly new. I think she'll win. And with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, I think Braun Strowman will probably win. And I've got the betting odds actually here from, there's a site called uh, Bet Wrestling. And believe it or not, you can actually bet on on wrestling like any other sport. Can you bet at the site, or do you have to bet in a house, or do you have to bet at no, a it's, casino? It's, it's like going to an online site, like going to Bodog oh, or something. So you, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you get the odds. So, like for example, on this particular site, 
Uh, Braun Strowman is minus 110. Everybody else in the Battle Royal is plus, uh, including Rob Gronkowski is plus 1,500 to win. He's probably not going to show up and be there, but they have him because, was it last year or the year before or whatever? There's a guy named Mojo Rawley. Uh, who Rob Gronkowski was, you know, planted and standing in the crowd a couple years ago and and uh, was called in and helped him beat up somebody and this Mojo Raleigh won it or whatever. So uh, Gronk, you know, has talked about the wrestling thing. So they, they they like to just put things like someone might throw down some money on Gronk and he probably won't even show up, but whatever. And then Lacey Evans is minus 155. Everyone else is plus. So um, have you watched any battle royals in your life? And do you know what that is? I've watched Royal Rumbles. Okay, so the Royal Rumble is just a fancy battle royal that was invented by Pat Patterson, Canadian, who uh, who came up with the idea of drawing numbers 1 to 30, and yep. you come in every minute and a half or two minutes. Right. But yeah, the only way to win, the only way to eliminate someone is throwing them over the top right. rope, and then both of you hit the floor. So a battle royal is just that, except everyone starts in the ring. So you start with 30 or 40 people in the ring all oh at once. Oh my God. And then it's just chaos, and then you get down to... And, so, and you just start filtering out. Yeah, and but yeah, it's the same thing. Only throw over the top. So you, you can eliminate it fast. You can have... I was in a... The only battle royal I was in in my career was in uh, Hayward, California, San Francisco, for uh, all pro wrestling. And uh, I was in I was in battle royal there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting for sure. Uh, okay, so quickly go through the matches here. AJ Styles is a minus 175 favorite against Randy Orton. Have you ever heard of either of those guys? Oh, absolutely. You Randy have. Orton, I've heard of. Yeah, yeah. So his he's a third generation guy. Yeah. His dad was uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him too. And then his dad, or his grandfather was Bob Orton Sr. So his dad, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, was in the corner of the bad guys for the main event of WrestleMania 1. So it was the good... Who? Any idea? Here's trivia. Who are the... Who was the... Two good guys, one famous wrestler and one celebrity. Main event of WrestleMania 1. Who were the good guys? Now, this is the Rock and Wrestling Connection. This is when, this is this is March 31st, 1985. This is where Cindy Lauper is all big. The heel tag team managed by Rowdy, was, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and um, uh, Paul or- Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, uh, managed by Cowboy Bob Orton. The good guys were managed by, I believe, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. But anyway, so who's the most famous 1980s wrestler? It's Hulk Hogan. Of course. Who was his tag team partner who was not a wrestler, uh, but was, uh, you know, a big star at the time and all that? Who would that have been? 1985 uh, with Hogan. You know, I'm going to say this because I know that Hogan and Sylvester Stallone fought in Rocky III. So I'm going to say Sylvester Stallone. That's a great guess because of that. But no, it was... Uh, I'll just say that I pity, yeah. I pity the fool who doesn't know Mr. the answer T. to this. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. T. Yeah, of Why course. Why didn't I know that? It's okay. But anyway, yeah, it's a very iconic cover of the WrestleMania 1 uh, VHS tape where you see Hogan and Mr. T there. And and Mr. T then... Uh, actually, Mr. T fought at WrestleMania 2 as well. That's the next right. year, he yep. was in a boxing that. match against Rowdy Roddy Piper. And Piper got disqualified for body slamming him, which uh, is some fun trivia there. Okay, uh, we've got Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre. So Ro- I've heard of Roman Reigns. So Roman Reigns, minus 400 to win here. Uh, you could make it a lot bigger than that, because even though Drew McIntyre is, has really been on a great run lately, Roman Reigns is The Rock's first cousin, I believe, and he is just coming back from his second bout with leukemia in real life. And, and this is his return match. So there's no way he's losing. I, I mean, they could do something where, like, they've really been building up Drew McIntyre as a as this, you know, mean Scottish heel. And uh, speaking of Roddy Roddy Piper. But 
I just, and I mean, they could do something where he tries to get a bunch of heel heat, as they say, but I think overall they'll just have this big triumphant return to the guy coming back from leukemia, Roman Reigns, right, I think, for, for sure. sure. Uh, falls kind of anywhere. Shane McMahon always has to get himself involved in WrestleMania. Usually has some big stunt he does where he jumps off something incredibly high mm-hmm. uh, against Mike the Miz Mizanin, minus 285 for the Miz there, who should win. And then, of course, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's own Kurt Angle is minus 230 against Baron Corbin. And so this is being billed as Kurt Angle's farewell match. Of course, Kurt Angle won the gold medal for the U.S. in the 1996 Olympics Mm -hmm. in freestyle wrestling. And then really, it's a really a rare thing to make the transition successfully from amateur wrestling to professional wrestling because there's such opposite mindsets, right? Amateur wrestling is every little opening you have to take and every little millimeter you have to grind for and it's the to me it's the hardest gold medal to win is is uh, wrestling whereas in professional wrestling it's the exact opposite you're it's all about taking care of the other guy working together it's a very opposite mindset absolutely so it's hard for somebody to make that transition and then to incorporate a ton of personality as Kurt has on top of that be a successful good guy be a successful bad guy amazing at both hilarious and just really one of the greatest all-around performers of all time I don't know why they're having him face a random dude like Baron Corbin and a tall dude especially I, I would have thought they should have him against someone really exciting but um, you were you know this was really in your day heyday in 96 what are your memories of uh, certainly of that Olympic Games and uh, also of Kurt Angle, if any. Well, <clears throat> my uh, my everlasting memory of the 1996 games, Summer Games of Atlanta comes down to one person. And that was at the opening ceremony where Muhammad Ali, in the middle of his fight against his, his disease, the Parkinson's disease, and he went up there and lit the Olympic torch and he was shaking the whole time. That was iconoclastic to me in regard to what the 1996 Summer Games in Atlanta meant. Um, Here is a black man still, and I don't give a damn what anybody says, there are still some racially motivated things in the U.S. South. And to have a guy that, uh, that was such an icon as the old Cassius Clay, now obviously more known in passed away a couple years ago as the great Muhammad Ali, but here's a guy that went against his country, uh, boycotted going to Vietnam as a draft dodger because, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, a myriad of different reasons, and his was always the reason that he just didn't want to kill anybody. Um, that was my, my, because, again, a guy from Louisville, Kentucky, especially an African-American, lighting the Olympic torch in a very southern U.S. city, and uh, that that will always be my memory of, of the 96 Summer Games from Atlanta. Yeah, of course. Okay, uh, <laughs> this is something so dumb about uh, Vince. So, you know how f- uh, Ultimate Fighting... Uh, sorry. The UFC has been become so professional. It's got all these weight classes and everything. But back in the day when it started, it was just, as they called, human cockfighting. You'd see, yes. you'd see a 400-pound sumo against... Keith Hackney, who was just a little karate guy. Like, it was just ridiculous, right? So now it's all professionally done. So WWE has never been about weight classes. But once in a while, they've had a light heavyweight title, or now they have their cruiserweight division. But it's so ridiculous because the guys who are fighting for the cruiserweight championship here, uh, Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese, 
they look more muscular than most of the main roster guys. So mm-hmm. it, they don't even look lighter. That this division used to be for some of the really skinny little high flyers, and now I don't know what they're doing. And then what they do too is they just shove them on the pre-show every time. So it just sends the message to fans that, that you shouldn't care about this. The problem with the WWE, which was originally when when America was all territorial wrestling leagues, this was the New York territory. And it was always about just big lumbering muscular dudes. It wasn't about the smaller guys or the best action. It was just about these big dudes. That's what it was. It was Hulk Hogan and guys like that. So it's been tough for, and Vince of course is Mr. Bodybuilding and fetish for big dudes and Mm -hmm. has an obsession with himself and, and you know, whatever. So he's never been able to focus on this as a big deal. So, uh, you know, Buddy Murphy is minus 190, and both guys are great performers. I wish they would get stuck on the main card, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be stuck on the pre-show. Uh, we've got a couple of tag team titles, Raw and SmackDown. Each show has their own tag team belts. Um, the uh, It sounds like, actually, they have Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins at minus 185 favorites against The Revival. And Kurt Hawkins is doing this stupid gimmick that they have where they say he's lost 269 matches in a row. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's just so stupid. But anyway, so maybe they're going to win there. Um, the Usos, who are Rikishi's twin sons, are minus 180. And their uh, four corners a SmackDown tag match. Uh, the Women's Tag Team Championship, uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey should win theirs. They're minus 180 against three other teams. Uh, Samoa Joe minus 350 big favorite over the excellent high flyer Rey Mysterio for the US title um, Finn Balor gigantic I think the biggest favorite on the whole card is Finn Balor to beat Bobby Lashley Finn Balor is minus 150 or 1050 for the Intercontinental title because he is going to be his demon character where he paints his whole body and then they get the black lights and he looks like this monster mm-hmm. it's sort of neat uh, for the WWE title uh, it is Kofi Kingston at minus 290 against Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston has been around forever, but uh, has just the fans have just really gotten behind him lately, and I think he'll probably get a title shot there. And then the mainly billed male match of the whole card is Brock Lesnar against Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal title. Brock Lesnar at some point has to go back to the UFC here because Daniel Cormier did finally have his 40th birthday oh, okay. uh, recently yeah. uh, in March. And Daniel Cormier had always said he would retire when he was 40 years old. Right. But now, because there's all these big matchups, I mean, everyone would like to see if he could beat John Jones, if John Jones doesn't get to cheat this time. <laughs> uh, everyone wants to see amazing wrestler against amazing wrestler, Cormier against Lesnar, especially since Lesnar came into the cage uh, a while back and, you know, shoved Cormier in, got the, and then you just told him that he, you know, whatever, fucking sucks or something. And and so, you know, really built up that match. So it sounds like that's what's going to happen. It'd probably be Lesnar against Cormier. But everyone's just been waiting on Lesnar because Lesnar's had the universal title in WWE forever now. And he, he's only part-time. He hardly ever wrestles. And when he does, everyone thinks, okay, well, now he's going to lose the title and leave WWE and that's it. And then he keeps signing these few-month extensions. And, and Cormier's getting older and like, hey, what's going on here? So, uh Anyway, they've got Seth Rollins at minus 160. I think WrestleMania would definitely be the time for Lesnar to lose it. For all we know, this could be Lesnar's last ever WWE match. So uh, I'm just wondering here, um, have you seen much of Lesnar, whether it's in wrestling, in UFC, uh, in amateur, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings? Have you seen much of Brock Lesnar in your life? And if so, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, he's one of the most imposing people I've ever seen in my life. Um I I know about his football career at one time. He had a tryout with the Vikings. Obviously, he's done very, very well in the world of the UFC and the WWE. 
I have seen him uh, in the UFC and I have in one match, and I've seen him fight more than a couple times in w, different WWE venues. I like to watch him. I don't know why, um, but he reminds me a little bit because of just the mass of him and how big he is. He reminds me a little bit, minus the hair, but the, the, the vastness of him. He reminds me a little bit of a younger Hulk Hogan. Mm. And, and, and the reason there is because he's known, he's an, a known commodity. Um, everybody kind of, whether you're a fan of these two uh, terrific organizations, the UFC and the WWE, somewhere along the line, you've heard of Brock, Brock Lesnar. Same thing going back to when Hulk Hogan, you may not be a WWE fan or at that time WWF fan, but you knew who Hulk Hogan was because of his appearances in movies and television and whatever. But um, I'm very interested to see um, uh, Lesnar back in the UFC. I would love to see, because of what I've learned from you over the last year and more than a year and a half, of what uh, a Lesnar and Daniel Cormier fight potentially could be. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think it would be something that we would be proud to be a part of. We wouldn't have to worry about all the shenanigans with a John Jones. And I think that it, we would get a pure mano a mano street fight between two combatants that I think probably aren't big friends of each other, but I think there's a respect element there. Yeah, and I think it was it was pretty obvious that Lesnar was just using all of his time in WWE to learn a few tricks and promote the fight because Cormier was standing in the octagon after he beat Stipe and was just like, hey, man, what's going on? And then Lesnar comes in and just shoves him and tells him, like, you know, just starts swearing and just teeing off, and all of a sudden everyone is interested in the fight. So it was just promotional things that the otherwise shy Brock Lesnar uh, and very reclusive Brock Lesnar has learned since he's just likes to spend his time on his in his compound in Maryfield, Saskatchewan. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, and then we come to the true main event, and just you know, this couldn't have happened at a better time. And this is legitimately the main event. And even if they hadn't made this the main event, it still would have felt like the main event. And it is legitimately the most anticipated match. I it's certainly much. Yeah, I mean, your other what are your other choices? I mean, Lesnar Rollins or Brian Kingston. Those actually, I've got to be. And and as much as I like all four guys in the ring. Uh, neither of those feels like a WrestleMania but main event. If you didn't have, I'm saying, okay, you take the women out of the equation. the 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 main event probably would have been Lesnar and uh, the guy coming back from the illness. Uh, um, oh boy, I don't think they would put Roman Reigns. Against, uh, they would have had to market it a lot more, and he would have had to be there a lot more. To be honest, yeah, it's. Maybe Lesnar and Rollins. I get. I guess it would be Brian and Kingston wouldn't. Yeah, I mean you could have marketed them enough and got them there, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. If you take away the women, this would be one of the least star-studded WrestleManias ever. Even John Cena's not there, at least not scheduled. The Rock's not scheduled to be there. Cena is he still in WWE? Oh yeah, he'll be there for his whole life, but oh, okay. he's been focusing on other things. He does movies and TV. Right, and I know that. He's yeah. getting older, and he just uh, he's like, I can't be full time anymore. But I mean, I would have, see, I've said he should have been Kurt Angle's opponent because very famously, John, yes. C- John Cena's debut was against Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was doing this gimmick around, I guess, 2002 or so, where he would call out guys and, 
and uh, and whatever, and then face him, whatever, and then a young John Cena comes out for one of those, and it was actually a, they did a really good job, and Cena kept almost pinning him, almost pinning him, and then Kurt Angle busted out this pin that I have never seen before or since, this like completely legitimate shoot pin that no human being is going to get out of, and pinned him, and uh, that was so famous, and it would just make so much sense for Cena to come back, even if it's a quick match and Angle beats him easily. Uh, I'm really disappointed that Cena's well, not coming back both, here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they both have that kind of angle, meaning, and, and no pun intended in mm-hmm. regard to Kurt Angle, yeah. but Angle and Cena kind of both have that patriotic U.S. spin a yes, little bit. Yes, yes. And I've seen some commercials in the States where, you know, Cena's flipping up the salute and all this, and, you know, you rah, rah, sis, boom, bomb for July 4th and, yeah. and all. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that because he's out there and and working, if you will, and I I don't I don't like the term, but working the crowd, if you will, in response to getting some help for needed U.S. veterans. Oh sure. And so that's why I think, for me in my background, I I, I echo your comments, but for me it would have been a little different in regard to it would have been a spin versus maybe when Angle was a bad guy, and Cena is a good guy, but they both have their deep U.S. ties. Mm-hmm. That would be something that would be interesting to see, I would think. Yeah, and the reason that Cena started doing the slew is because he started in the movie The Marine. Correct. So he played a Marine, yeah. which I didn't... And I got to tell you, he does a perfect salute for somebody that had to salute a lot of officers in my day. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's got it down for sure. It is pretty funny. I didn't actually watch The Marine ever, but there is a highlight that I, <laughs> that I just love. So the guy who plays the Terminator... Uh, what's his name? Robert Patterson, I think is his name. Or yes, that's, yeah. Yeah. right. So there, <laughs> so there's, there's. I think he's a bad guy in the movie, and he and some other bad guys are driving around, and they're talking about Cena's character and how tough he is. <laughs> and so this, uh, this, uh, I think Robert Patterson, I think is driving the van or whatever, and then the other guy, bad guys are sitting in the back, and you see uh, someone in the back says. He's talking about Cena's character, and he's like, this guy's like the Terminator. And you see Patterson just like look in the mirror, and it's just, it's just funny. But anyway, yes, yeah, so the, the unquestioned main event of WrestleMania 35 is, of course, Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey, recently crowned SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair, and, of course, Becky Lynch, who is the former Rebecca Knox who Becky wrestled. Becky Lynch, that's it. Yes, so she was Rebecca Knox, and I... Don't think I ever met her, but she was in Vancouver wrestling around the same time I was. Oh, really? Right, 04 around there. She was called Rebecca Knox. She's got a picture in front of this famous uh, wooden locker in this one room at the Bridgeview Hall in Surrey. And I've got somewhere probably a picture of myself there too. And uh, I don't think I ever met her, but my good friend Ashley, uh, you know, wrestled her and everything. And and uh, for her to come as far as she has, she's originally from Ireland, uh, Becky Lynch, and yeah, I mean, she just had a great sit-down interview with Ariel Hawani, who is, of course, the best MMA uh, media journalist of all time. But he also likes to give the wrestlers their due if there's a big event, too. And uh, it was he did a great thing. And Becky Lynch thought, I mean, it was over a while back. And uh, now she's main eventing WrestleMania. I think, and it's funny, because this site has uh, Ronda plus 425, giving her no chance. Charlotte minus 600 and Becky minus 425. I disagree with that. I have to think that this has all been leading towards Becky winning the main event. And it they just had Charlotte win the SmackDown title from Asuka just the other day. So, to I mean, it just sets up so perfectly that she takes both their titles and then ends WrestleMania celebrating with both belts. And, uh, and uh, Becky Lynch has been the kind of, you know, crowd favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, 
There's no question to me that Becky Lynch is going to win. She should be favored massively in this. If she doesn't win, it's the wrong call straight up, 100%. There is no doubt this is what the fans want and need right now. And though if you want to put wrestling, uh, female wrestling in North America over the top, you, you have Becky Lynch win both titles and celebrate as the show goes off the air. There's no question. Women's wrestling has been big in other parts of the world, especially Japan, for a long time, where in, in many cases the women were as good or better than the men legitimately at putting on a show. Uh, but in North America, they haven't been nearly as good for, for well, ever, really. And now, just now, they're finally getting to the point where they, can, they have... Uh, the best women's wrestlers in North America are putting on some really good shows and are doing a great job. And I expect big things from these women and they have all the pressure in the world and they should. And if they don't deliver, then they have to be held accountable. But I 100% think that these three women are going to deliver and this will be a WrestleMania worthy main event. And I am cheering for Becky Lynch and I hope she completes the win. Well, I hope you have a good time watching it this evening. Um, and uh, inform me when I, call you from Las Vegas, you can inform me and let me know what happened. Um, but I, I'm actually excited about this. And I'm wondering, my one quick question to you, with this new business model, if you will, with women being the... Uh, and I want to talk about uh, some women issues that I have in Freeform Friday. <laughs> and uh, I'll gladly spill my guts in regard to that. But uh, remember we had the long discussion... Um, I don't know what episode it was, long time ago, but we had talked about when the WWE signed the contract to go to Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. but they weren't allowing women to mm -hmm. go along. And I agreed with that because having been in Saudi Arabia, I know that that would have been an experience that the WWE doesn't need and the women that would have been participating over there certainly didn't need to be a part of because of the way they would have been hassled, mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. Now, I know... When I was in there, when I was there in the early early '90s, things have obviously improved to where we are now in 2019. But there's also you've met some of my in-laws, and you know how barbaric some of them are, and they have a Middle Eastern descent. So, but do you think that this will open up some eyes and allow women to participate the next time or in years down the road in Saudi Arabia? It's a great question, and this question has been posed to Vince McMahon and to Triple H about what's the long-term plan, because if all you're doing is taking money from Saudi Arabia and just doing whatever they want and, and not having women even appear on the show, then you're just a, you're just a, you're, dumb, a you're just a fucking hypocrite is all you are, and of course. And so they've tried to hint, I don't think they want to speak out too much and make it look like they're bossing around the Saudis, because the Saudis wouldn't be very happy about that, but... They've tried to essentially say in their answers that, you know, you can affect change by being part of it. If you just kind of say, oh, no, they're stupid, we're not taking their money, then you can't get them to change anything. So I appreciate that point, but I want to see some action, not necessarily next year. Like, I don't know, like, you have to really work on them. And even if, again, like the Saudi Arabia uh, Sports Authority, I believe they're called, even if they do agree to this, like you say, the fans may not... Uh, they might have a hard time. Like, what's going to happen with the fans? The thing is, not only have uh, women not been allowed to... No, the, the women were allowed to go to the show. I'm sure they were. Correct. Right? No, you're correct about but that. They weren't, but, the, but the WWE women weren't allowed correct. to perform. Although they did have Canada's own Renee Young was on the broadcast team, I believe, on the one show. Um, I'm sure I'm remembering that right. But anyway... But I she wouldn't have been in a costume. Or no, anything. no, no. She, she would have been fully that was clothed my, and everything. That was my biggest worry. 
about the safety of those women. You know, they yeah. wear they wear some nice they Stuff wear that some uniforms. People over there haven't seen. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Although, of course, if you look at the stats, all those Middle Eastern countries are the largest consumers of uh, porn per capita. So they have seen well, it, just not in public. And and they're very hypocritical. Of course. Very hypocritical. Massively. I mean, you can look at my brothers in laws, and you know how hypocritical they are. Mm-hmm. You know, in regard to they can they can do this, mm-hmm. but their sister, who is my wife, can't. Yeah. You know, that's hypocrite. That's hypocrisy going back. Centuries and centuries and centuries. So centuries, yeah, of course. And but to answer your question, I hope we start seeing something incremental. I hope we start. And the thing is, you couldn't. There's not really a way, though. If, like it's easy to say, okay, well, let's get some incremental change. But what are you going to do? Because there's no way the WWE women should or would go out there and wrestle like fully head to toe, right. like in full garb or whatever. Correct. Right. right. But that, see, then they'd, they'd find that disrespectful too. Exactly. Even if they did, it wouldn't you can't anyway. win. Yeah. You have to, you literally have to either not do it or you have to go out there and just do it like you would over here. And even if the sports authority in Saudi Arabia allows it, what's the, what's the fan reaction going to be? I don't know. Right. What, I mean, maybe there'd be some women that'd be super excited in the crowd, but then maybe, you know, you've seen where they interview some of these people, some of these women that are really, really controlled and everything and super obedient, and they sort of have Stockholm Syndrome, really. And so they don't necessarily support it anyway. They're so conditioned to just, you know, that, oh, no, this is the right way. And so, man, it's a tough thing. So, look, if I don't like to give Vince very much credit. If he can somehow get any sort of even incremental change, even get the ball rolling... I'll give him credit. That's un- that's wonderful. I don't know what the step is first step is going to be, and I, it's hard for me to picture. And I don't really have a lot of faith he's going to accomplish anything, or even Triple H or anyone down the road. Well, so I, I think don't know. it's safe to say, though, as we put a wrap on this three hundred and fortieth episode of Unscripted, this is a historical night for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm. moving forward with the WWE and. Uh, Good luck to all of them. I hope you enjoy it this evening. Should be entertaining for sure. And uh, I look forward to see what happens. But I'm more looking forward to see what happens after this big event tonight in regard to the future venues for WWE uh, performances, matches, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is a monumental evening on a lot of different fronts for the WWE and I think wrestling fans around the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very interesting, and uh, I hope we, well, I hope it's, I hope it's enjoyed by everybody that uh, uh, pays the money to sit and watch this pay-per-view event tonight from New York City. Having said all that, I thank Chris for the uh, heads up and and giving us some analysis on what's going to p- potentially happen from WrestleMania 35 again later this evening. Uh, we are broadcasting here on the. 7th of April, and uh, later on tonight, again from New York City, will be the 35th playing of the WWE's main ticket event, which is WrestleMania. Having said all that, we got to run. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.